Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited-time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited-time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. Hello, America, and happy Monday. What a show we have for you today. We're going to kick things off with the whistleblower from the IRS named Joseph Ziegler. He was previously known as Whistleblower X, the second whistleblower behind his supervisor, Gary Shapley. Gary Shapley, of course, appeared on the show a couple weeks ago. You got to hear from him firsthand. Today, you're going to get an exclusive interview, an exclusive conversation with Joe Ziegler, the second IRS agent. He has a lot to say. Starting off with the fact he's a Democrat, he's gay, he doesn't believe politics had anything to do with the reason why he and his boss and others have now blown the whistle about what went on in the Hunter Biden tax case. Uh, We're going to spend... The first half hour of this show, just talking to Joe Ziegler, the evidence, the behavior, the missteps, the interference that caused him to step forward and blow the whistle on the Biden administration, even though he's a Democrat. You know why? Because his job, his professionalism required it is what he says. And we're going to hear more about that in the, the first half. And then the second half of the show, we've got a really important interview with Miranda Devine. She broke yet another great story this morning in the Hunter Biden case. She is predicting, based on her reporting, that Hunter Biden business partner Devin Archer is going to testify to Congress when he's interviewed potentially later this week that Joe Biden would get on the phone and talk through Hunter Biden's phone to some of Hunter Biden's business partners and specifically that at a December 2015 meeting, it's a very important time in the Burisma story, Joe Biden got on the phone and talked to Burisma officials at a time when Burisma officials were getting upset, were getting uptight, were stirring on the effort to get the prosecutor, Victor Shokum, stopped from continuing to investigate Burisma for corruption. As you know, Joe Biden ultimately went to President Poroshenko, the Ukrainian president at the time, in December 2015 and said, you got to fire Shokin or you don't get the next billion dollars in loan guarantees. That's what the documentation shows. That's what Joe Biden bragged he did. What we're going to show you today is that Joe was on the phone, allegedly, with Burisma through Hunter Biden's cell phone at that meeting 
meeting according to what Miranda Devine is saying and according to what Devin Archer plans to tell Congress. We're going to bring Miranda in for that. That's going to be a really big story all around. Two big interviews today. With that, there's not a whole lot of reason to take up your time. We're going to get right to them right after the commercial break. But first, I want to give a quick shout out to one of the many great sponsors, partners, and advertisers we have in the Just the News John Solomon Reports family. One of them is called Link2. It is a very important product and a great service. And I'd like to take a minute to welcome them as one of our newest partners and sponsors. Link2 is the ultimate platform for accredited investors. With Link2, you gain access to a world of private market opportunities from disruptive unicorns to sought-after tech companies. I like that, disruptive unicorns. Isn't that fun? Link2's user friendly platform empowers you to invest with ease and transparency with a modest minimum investment of just $5,000. No hidden fees and real-time liquidity. Link2 is your trusted partner in the investment landscape. Embrace innovation, break free from traditional norms, and join the Link2 community. Today. All it takes is $5,000 to do. Just go to Link2.com. L-I-N-E. QTO.com. All right, folks, uh, we're going to take that quick commercial break. When we come back, a exclusive interview with Joseph Ziegler, the IRS whistleblower, previously known as Whistleblower X. He has a lot to say about the political inference in the Hunter Biden case right after these messages. Hey, folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, 
and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale. Four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, amac.us slash just news. That's amac.us forward slash just news. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. At the top of the show, I told you that Joseph Ziegler, the second whistleblower who gave such a really impressive testimony in last week's hearing uh, in Congress, is joining us. Before we do, I want to mention something. I've been doing reporting for 35 years, probably encountered well over 100 whistleblowers that I've chronicled in different stories over the years. It is a very difficult process to personally go through. And I, I, I know that Joe Ziegler, like many of the other uh, people before him, are going to are going through an isolation process and, and a lot of silly attacks that people try to launch. And I want to draw a little bit of that out today, so that you can understand the personal cost that someone uh, endures when they when they do something as courageous as blowing the whistle. And we're very lucky now to be Joan by Joe Ziegler, one of those great whistleblowers. Joe, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you so much for having me, John. Until you blow the whistle, a lot of people have no idea the counteroffensive, the weight of the government, the weight of isolation, ostracization that goes on. You gave a little flavor of that in your testimony, your opening statement. Could you just tell us a little bit of what it's been like? I mean, you are one of the IRS's very best agents, but once you blow the whistle, you get the treatment too, don't you? Yeah. So uh, up until Wednesday, um, no one in the in the general public knew who I was. But people inside the IRS knew that I was involved in this case and that um, I, I had testified in front of the House Ways and Means Committee. So it's kind of a, a twofold. Public didn't know, but people within my employer did know. So what, what I can tell you is the IRS uh, essentially has put us on an island. Um, I would think that they would want to be there to support their agents. You don't have to support what they're saying, but you can support, be there for your agents. And and that's kind of what our senior leadership above uh, above Gary has done to us. Yeah, it's really remarkable. Now, you and Gary, uh, it's clear from the testimony, you guys have a great relationship. You've stuck together because you're both pursuing the same truth. When you look up around the agency, do you have people reach out to you in the rank and file saying, hey, we're with you, even though the leadership's not, we know how good an agent you are? Yeah, so it's actually been quite incredible. I mean, I've probably uh, over 100 different messages from around the world, people in federal law enforcement, people that I used to work with, people with the DEA that I used to work with, um, just the support uh, from even from people within the IRS has been kind of overwhelming with that they, that they stand right next to me. They, 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 they heard us present facts. They understand the whole perspective of you're trying to do the right thing. And I think that that's important that people understand. I, I mean, so I, I said this uh, uh, to some people before, but I grew up in Northeast Ohio in, um, in a very conservative family. Right. Um, and coming out and uh, all a part of that process, it's been, it's definitely been a journey for me. I, I mean, as I've stated, I'm a Democrat. Um, I am gay. I'm, I'm married to my husband. He's, he's amazing. And it, but that doesn't change the fact that I still have to, uh, if there's something that, that the truth, the, the truth is so, so, so very important. 
And that's why Gary and I have kind of stuck to the facts. What happened? There was a very profound line in your opening statement that the reason you came forward is that every person should be treated the same in the same circumstances in a tax case. And that didn't happen here. That's really the motivating factor for you, right? You want everyone to be treated the same. Yeah. And, and, and I think that that's so important to not only the justice system, but the IRS, that we have to be treating the t- taxpayers the same, regardless of, of your political um, realm that you're in, or regardless of how, how much money you make or what, whatever it might be, if you're high profile, or even if you're um, just someone that's a, from a mom and pop shop, right? Shouldn't, we shouldn't be treating people differently. Yeah. And in this case, there are some real uh, amazing anomalies and you've, you've gone over them in great detail. I want to ask a little bit though, before, before we get to that, there are been some pretty significant, sometimes laughable attacks on you. One of them was, and I think it came up in the hearing and it's been bantied about in some of the liberal press that you and a, a guy with a similar last name, who's a super conservative Trump, uh, you know, activist, uh, Garrett Ziegler, that you somehow are interconnected. Uh, no truth to that at all, right? It's kind of laughable, isn't it? Yeah, there, there's absolutely no truth to that. I said in my testimony, I have not turned over any records to uh, to this person. And, and I mean, if you look back at some of the things that was was said, and this is on social media, they were they were calling LGBTQ people clowns. And the, this is what we have to expect. I, at the end of the day, I'm proud of who I am. Being gay doesn't define who I am, but it's a part of who I am. So I think that that's super, super important that people understand just because of that fact that doesn't change the type of person that I am. Oh, of course. And and the idea, though, that people would stoop to that level of attack, there seems to be a little bit of desperation to find anything to discredit what it is. All through your testimony, it's really interesting. You didn't let any of the attacks get in the way. You just kept sticking to the facts. And I think that's a really important thing. And one of those attacks was suggesting that maybe that WhatsApp message, uh, something that I think maybe Hunter Biden's lawyers first suggested, the WhatsApp message about Hunter Biden invoking his father to pressure the Chinese uh, executive to pay up some money. They actually tried to suggest, well, maybe that was made up. That WhatsApp is authentic, and there's probably a lot more, aren't there? Yeah, and I think that they were very clever with their wording that they chose to use. They were. They were correct that those blow, blown up images weren't the actual images that we might have seen if we're going through and looking at the forensic software. I can tell you that um, those records were obtained via uh, uh, an, uh, an electronic search warrant that was done on Apple related to Hunter Biden's iCloud account. And as a part of that, there was information that was summarized in, in a schedule for the investigators. And, and that was something that I took part in. And that's what I said as a part of my testimony. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the it's not out of context in the way you presented it. There are probably other messages like it that would further help people understand the context of what's going on in spring 17 between Hunter Biden, his father, CFC in China. That's the sort of stuff your lawyer said you'll probably be turning over in the next weeks. Do you think that that will be valuable to the public and the Congress to learn about the context of that relationship? Yeah, so I don't feel I don't feel the need to say like what the public might right. gain from it. But what I can tell you is that we, we told Congress that any any of those records that they were requesting related to that, we're going to turn over the House Ways and Means Committee. And then essentially they vote those to the full Congress to come out. Yeah, that's it. and they follow the process. You know, it's really amazing in this. There have been no leaks. Everything has been 
following the process, things only come out when the process has been followed. I think that's given the American public a lot of confidence of how the two of you have blown the whistle, but also the way that people receiving the whistleblowing have handled things. You've also had interactions with the Inspector General of the Justice Department, correct? Uh, yes, I, I believe that that's a part of the whistleblower process. Would there, there's three there's three different components. It's Department of Justice, Office of Inspector General, um, our internal agency, which is called TIGDA. They work for Treasury, and then there's the Office of Special Counsel. Yeah, all three of those were people that um, I have spoken with. Yeah, I've been in, interacted with all three. One of the testimonies that I think caught a lot of people's attention is the use of Hunter Biden's company potentially to take care of family bills, cover the family expenses. There's some questions about his children, the president's grandchildren, Hunter Biden's children, all now adults. You wanted to interview them. You kind of got kept from doing that. Then there was also a mention you testified of a hotel room in the president, future president's name, Joe Biden's name, that was picked up. Was there a pattern as you were going through this? Was there a pattern of family members potentially having their bills covered by the, the Hunter Biden business arrangements? Yeah. So, so what I can tell you is specifically in my testimony, they, they, the, the House Ways and Means Committee, the, they actually questioned me on, well, how do we know that, the pres- that President Biden was there? And, and all I said was, well, the, the receipt came back to his name and there was actually a, a receipt for room service or something that was done as a part of that room that was also included in there. They were correct. We didn't get to interview um, anyone at the hotel to figure out if he was actually there. But what I think it's important to know is that that was a deduction that was taken on um, Hunter's tax return. And it just it just goes to if in your book you are making statements that um, are contradicting what are going on your tax return, that's almost the, 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 the biggest component of this that I don't think that the general public understands. So you have statements being made in a book that are talking about uh, going out to California, leaving your life, and then going to start this new life. Yet on your tax return, you're 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 potentially saying stating things that are completely different. Yeah, you're claiming their business expenses, part of the ongoing business. There was a lot of that in, I think, Gary and you both in your depositions really drew out how this is a classic tax fraud case. It, it, it sort of textbook, I think maybe Gary may have used in the interview with us, in that there are transactions, Burisma being a good example, where it comes in, it's clearly business income, and then it's repurposed, and it's uh, Hunter Biden calls it a loan, but it clearly is income. But the uh, Hunter Biden's declaration on the tax forms don't match how Devin Archer and the rest of the business treated it. That's a pretty important piece of evidence in terms of showing intent, right? The people who are in the business were listed one way. Hunter Biden tries to make it a loan so he doesn't pay taxes. He listed a different way. That was a pattern you saw in this, isn't it? Yeah. So, I mean, to, to, to go back to this, treating every taxpayer the same. So the thing that we would look in our investigation is for a loan argument. So you'd look, is there any loan document? Are they paying any interest? Is there any interest accruing? Are there any payments back? And if those three things aren't present, then then there's no reason to believe that you would have a loan regarding these payments. So, I mean, that's how, if we're looking at any other ordinary tax case, that's what we would look for. And I think I think it's important that 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 um, the American public understands that we we went to our leadership, what we viewed as a neutral party hasn't heard that much about the case, and we presented on this 2014 arrangement. And, and I believe in my testimony that the 
the, the leader, which was our DFO, said that this is clear-cut tax evasion. I mean, this is what you, like, textbook. So I think that that's where Gary got that comment from. Right. Yeah. I mean, independent eyes. People who haven't been working the case, they look at it, go, oh, I've seen this before. I know what this is. This is this is tax fraud. The length of time that Hunter Biden sort of didn't comply with tax laws, obviously 14 to 22 was the period that you focused on because of statutes. But as you dug backwards, I think I saw this in the deposition, it goes back almost two decades on and off. Is that correct? Am I, did I misread that? Uh, yeah, you know, you're correct. In my, in my transcript, I, I talked about um, certain issues that um, Hunter had, I think going back to early 2000, um, he was set up um, to yet yeah, no, there was a, a large amount of late filed and a delinquent taxes that he had. And essentially Eric Schwerin, his business partner, came in and tried to help him out by setting up the Owasco entity so that um, he could have some of his money flow through that so that he didn't run into these problems again. Yeah. And even there, they flip things like from income to loan. It actually, he starts the process over, even though there was a, a fix put in to place. When, when an agent with your experience sees someone that's had a two decade continuation of these sort of tax issues, different iterations of it, but all aimed at not paying the full amount of taxes they owe, this is clearly someone that kind of knew what they were doing, right? This was willful from the evidence that you saw. So, yeah, no, I want to speak to that. So, in, in an everyday, ordinary case, if someone goes around the normal means that they have set up to allow them to have tax compliance, they're going around that normal means and using another mechanism to essentially avoid paying their taxes. That's an item that would go into willfulness. And it's, it's, a, it's a willful intent to either deceive or make it so that that, that, that income is not reported. And I think that that's, that's a super important perspective uh, super important fact uh, to bring up. Yeah, man, it, it really came through when you read the deposition. I mean, you guys really locked onto the pattern. It was pretty clear what, what was going on. There's a memo that it was included in the questioning and, and made available to the public. In 2017, you mentioned Eric Schwerow, and he clearly has been telling Hunter Biden for some time, in, by the time 2017 comes around, that they hadn't paid money on the Burisma income. I think it's 400000 that's listed in the memo of undeclared income. And there's a tax consequence of maybe $125,000, $150,000. Knowing that that was a piece of evidence you guys were locked into, and now you've seen the surfacing of the 1023, which you didn't get to see at the time, it, that piece of evidence, the 1023 FBI, evidence, what was coming into the FBI from its informant, it seems to me that would have been very relevant to the Burisma issue you were looking at uh, on the tax side, correct? Yeah. So I, I don't know why that wasn't provided to us, but what I can tell you is that when you work a tax investigation and you bring, you bring potential charges forward and you testify in front of a jury, you're going to have to testify that you had all the relevant information in front of you. I mean, this is, this is why this is so very important is that we have to be given all investigative leads that could further corroborate other information in our case, because we might be struggling at that point. How can we validate information in this document with something else? And, and if you don't have everything at your fingertips, then, then you're then you're not doing a thorough, complete investigation. Yeah, so keeping that from you actually could potentially compromise the case when, when you get to jury time. You've had a chance to read that memo, I assume, since it's been in the public domain. Did you have any impression of it when you when you saw what was released by Senator Grassley? 
Yeah, so I, I have read it, but uh, yeah, I don't have any 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 comments on it other than the fact that I, I've never I, I did not see that memo, and that's something that wasn't provided to me, as I stated in my testimony. And it would have been relevant to your investigation. I think that's a fair point, right? I think both of you said that would have been helpful to have seen something like that. Yes, it would have been helpful in corroborating potentially other evidence in the investigation. Yeah. You've got a lot of cases, and I, I thought you did such a really brilliant job of helping people understand the oddities of this case. Uh, you meet a search warrant, a probable cause, but you can't have it. You want to go interview adult children of Hunter Biden because they can provide evidence related to potential crime, improper deductions, and you're told that's not a good career move or not good for you, not good for good politics, whatever the term was back. There were so many times you, you want to do the search warrant, the target gets tipped off. You want to do an interview, the political organization of Joe Biden gets tipped off. Any other case in the history of your career where you had so many anomalies where every step of the road, something you want to normally do in the normal course of investigation got sort of sidelined? No, and, that, and that's why I think in my testimony, I brought up a very recent case that I worked regarding a captive insurance company. Right. And in that, we actually, at the end, uh, I, it was the investigators. We thought we had enough to charge. Department of Justice Tax Division did not, and they didn't want to set precedence. And it was something that we worked through everything. We worked through all the evidence. We were able to follow all the evidence. And that was the conclusion we came to. Obviously, I was, was upset in having it not move forward. But I understood because at the end of the day, we followed all the evidence. And the prosecutors in that case were the ones that would have to bring that in front of a jury. So much in, 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 what, in what I've experienced and what I've stated in my testimony, very, vastly different than what, in, what occurred in this investigation. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, there are disagreements all the time between agents and prosecutors, but they're almost never about the early tactics. And normally agents aren't, aren't handcuffed at the beginning to keep them from looking at certain things, of all the anomalies, the disagreement about what charges to bring at the end, that can happen. But the beginning part, do prosecutors normally weigh on on all the tactics? Yeah, no, that was something that was also very, very strange. The fact that we were getting um, document requests and interviews of escorts out in California, that was getting the approval of uh, leadership and tax division. Never heard of anything like that. And that, and that, and that was kind of delaying, and it was, we weren't, I, I, I can recall, and I believe it's in my, or it is in my testimony that I said, I can't even do my job. You guys aren't even letting me do my job. And it, it was frustration after frustration. And I, and I want to be clear on that, too, that it was investigators had this way of doing it. We had the way, the normal process that we would want to follow. And it always was the investigators were the one, or the, the prosecutors were the way that we followed. Yeah. Yeah, they pulled the string each time into their direction. There are three important memos that are mentioned in yours and Gary's uh, testimony. Your original prosecutorial recommendations, that's out in public. We can see that, or at least parts of it are out there. It's pretty clear what, what the recommendation was. There is the prosecution memo from the tax division that kind of lays out, I guess, 90 pages or so, the evidentiary basis for proceeding. And then there's a third one. I think it's referenced as sort of a I'm going to look for the right word here. A, I don't know if it's a presentation or a summary of the case that if I'm reading the materials correctly, it looks like it was a combo work of the prosecutors and the agents working together to kind of make it understandable what was there. Is that third piece of evidence likely to be something that could become public and might also answer some of the questions about 
what Weiss and his team knew and when they knew it? Yeah, so you can you can uh, look back to our testimony uh, or our testimony in front of the oversight um, committee, and they 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 asked about a lot of documents. Um, they we told them that um, any of these documents that you're requesting or further information to clarify your questions, we can turn over the House Ways and Means Committee, and then they can vote to release it to them. Yeah. That'll be an important roadmap for people, I think, to see. Last question. I know you're real busy. I just want to ask, you've been through this process now, and obviously this issue of what happened in Hunter Biden's case is going to stay on the front radar. Congress is going to look at it. You've had some time to see how the system sort of got hijacked or, or side railed in an unusual way. What are some of the fixes? Have you thought through and said, you know, I'd like to give Congress a thought or the, my IRS supervisors a way that we can avoid having this happen in the future so we don't further diminish the Americans' trust in the IRS investigative or prosecutorial processes? Is there anything you, you'd like to see as a fix that could fix what you guys have had to go through? Yeah, there's two things. So I think DOJ, OIG, um, going into not only tax division, but Department of Justice to make sure that we're treating taxpayers the same. Are there examples within Department of Justice tax division where this is, there is, there, there is an inequitable treatment of taxpayers? So that's first off. Um, second part of this is if agents ever run into this again with an investigation they're working, whether it's sensitive, it could be, uh, a member of uh, a political family or whatever it might be, I said in my testimony that there has to be a ripcord, the emergency ripcord, that the agents don't have to look to each other and be like, how do we get a special counsel assigned? We should be able to go to a committee or a third party that can hear the issues that we're encountering and that they can make an analysis and make a recommendation so that this that you don't have this on one person's shoulders who might be a part of that administration. I think that's so, so very important in this um, moving forward. Yep. Having that independent way to resolve something so it doesn't leave that perception that politics somehow infected a decision. Joe, on behalf of the American people, I know what you're going through because I've seen so many, I'm personally gone through, but I've seen so many whistleblowers and covered their stories. It takes a lot of courage to go and do what you do, but it also takes an enormous amount of composure. A lot of whistleblowers don't achieve that, but watching you last week, extraordinary composure. Nothing rattled you. You you stick with the facts. You stick with your training. It really was a remarkable thing to see with all the haymakers coming from different directions. You didn't waver one bit and you stuck to the facts and you didn't seem to take anything personally. It's an amazing thing. Where do you find that strength? Where do you find that training not to let all the politics and all the fireworks not kind of throw you off course? Yeah. So, I mean, we're as IRS special agents. I mean, I think you can go to a multitude of people out there that, and this includes prosecutors with U.S. attorney's offices that say they want to work with us because we are so good at what we do. We're very good at testifying. We're very good at retaining the facts of a case. And I think that that's, that's, that's an important aspect of our job. And it's, an, and it's something that I have kind of had to hone in on and, and try to figure out. And it's something that 
that um, I hope is coming across to the American public. It, it definitely did. I mean, just in the readers that we talked to and the listeners and the television audience, it really did come through. There's no doubt about that, Joe. And that is one of many tributes to, to your professionalism as an IRS agent. What a great honor to have you on the show. I want to thank you for taking time on a busy week. And we'll be sure to be watching all the developments, including the next production of Documents. That could be pretty fun. All right. Thank you so much, John. Thank you, sir. All right, folks, don't go anywhere. When we come back, Miranda Devine on a brand new explosive revelation she made at the New York Post today about what Devin Archer is going to say. Joe Biden was getting on the phone with Burisma back in December 2015. You're going to hear that next from Miranda Devine right after these messages. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now get 15% off and free shipping at takelean.com. That's takelean.com and enter the promo code justnews15. That's the promo code justnews15 at takelean.com. One more time, takelean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. All right, folks. Welcome back from the commercial break. If you felt the ground shake a little bit this morning when you woke up, it's because of our next guest. She has been one of the most relentless and impactful reporters when it comes to the Biden family scandal, whether it's the Hunter Biden laptop that she first began reporting in October of 2020 or all the other twists and turns in the seedy relations that the Biden family had overseas with oligarchs and crooked figures. Miranda Devine has set the pace for what is really one of the most important corruption stories in modern history. And we're lucky enough to have her on for a few minutes today. She's very busy, but she broke a blockbuster of a story today about what Devin Archer is likely to tell Congress. That's the former business partner of Hunter Biden. We're going to welcome in Miranda right now. Miranda, great story. Page one in the New York Post today. Wow. What's the reaction been like? Oh, thanks so much, John. Yeah, like huge. Uh, I mean, people are reading it, which is good. Um, Of course, nothing uh, will ever permeate the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN axis. But um, the fact is, this is really um, another example of how Joe Biden lied to the American people when he said he knew nothing about his son Hunter's overseas business dealings. Uh, We already reported that he'd been to Cafe Milano and met with Hunter's business partners from overseas, from Ukraine and Russia and Kazakhstan. And now uh, we have evidence that uh, is going to be presented to Congress under oath by Devin Archer, 
that uh, Joe Biden was dialing in or being dialed in by Hunter on speakerphone to um, up to two dozen meetings with Hunter's various overseas business partners, including uh, the Ukrainians from that corrupt energy company, Burisma. Yeah. And there's an anecdote, I think it's at the top of the story, about a December 2015 board gathering where I guess Joe Biden makes a cameo appearance via phone. That's a very important time because December 2015 is the time where Joe Biden, according to the congressional testimony, was out there pressuring Ukraine to fire Victor Shokin, the prosecutor. Tell us what you learned in your reporting about what happened at the December 2015 Burisma board gathering. Yes, well, this was a board meeting in Dubai on December 4th, 2015. And uh, after the board meeting and after the dinner after the board meeting, Hunter and his best friend at the time, Devin Archer, decided to uh, go to another hotel um, up the coast, a few miles up, where a friend of Hunter's was working and uh, to have a drink. So they were there and they they barely get to their table when they get an urgent message from um, the Dim Pozarski, who was the right-hand man of the owner of Burisma, uh, a guy called Nikolai Zlochevsky. And uh, the Dim says to them that they need, where are you? We need to talk to you urgently. And so uh, they arrived shortly afterwards at this Four Seasons Hotel at the outdoor bar where they were sitting and um, proceed to say to Hunter that they need to talk to his father. And, uh, you know, everybody knew at that point that Hunter's party trick was to put his father on speakerphone. And um, it seems from what Devin Archer is going to tell Congress that uh, Joe never said anything specific. It was just generalities. Um, He would, uh, you know, be pleasant and say hello and and so on. Um, But, uh, of course, he would never speak business out loud. Um, but that didn't matter. This was just Hunter demonstrating that he could get his father online any time. His father, of course, he was then vice president. So they got Joe Biden on the line and, uh, and, and basically Hunter introduced the two Ukrainians to his father on speakerphone and said they need our support. Word, I don't know if that was exact words, but I'm told that it was words to the effect that the Burisma bigwigs need our support. Um, we'll get more flesh on those bones when uh, Devin Archer testifies under oath to Congress. Yeah, a very important moment. And at a moment where apparently Vadim Brzezarski is a little worried about something, nothing like the calming effect of having a, a sitting vice president come in and calm you down a little bit just by showing he has his son's back. That is going to be, I think, one of the themes. In fact, Chairman James Comer has already reacted to your story this morning saying, hey, the more proof that Joe Biden has lied about the extent of his involvement in his son's business dealings overseas. You have a, probably more than anyone done the most complete dossier on just all of the different ways that Joe Biden either was involved in helping Hunter Biden and then also in Hunter Biden providing maybe financial benefit back to Joe Biden by paying some of his bills. That's a pattern that was denied in 19 during impeachment, 2020 during the laptop scandal. It's pretty clear now, right, that Joe Biden got some benefit from Hunter Biden and Joe Biden provided some benefit to Hunter Biden, at least in meeting and talking with his partners. What's that pattern look like now that you've, you've been able to chronicle it so well? 
Well, um, there is a small amount of evidence on the laptop and it, as yet it hasn't been um, augmented, but that Joe, that Hunter Biden was paying for some of his father's uh, just regular bills for his uh, lavish estate in Delaware by the lake, uh, things like building retaining walls, um, painting, new shutters, uh, air conditioning on the cottage, on the property. Um, so there, there's a, a little glimmer of um, the sort of financial transactions there. Then also there was a cell phone, uh, an AT&T monthly bill that Hunter was paying for his father. Uh, and that's interesting in itself. I know that Peter Schweitzer has um, handed over that phone number uh, to one of the committees in the House to investigate. Um, and uh, and then also there were shared bank accounts, shared debit cards, um, and we, we also get a glimmer of that um, from the laptop. Uh, but, you know, also we have um, really very detailed, I mean, particularly in the Burisma case, very detailed quid pro quo because um, the Dim Pozarski who was the uh, go-between because the owner, uh, the oligarch uh, Nikolai Zlachevsky, could not speak English. He spoke Russian. So the DIM uh, would would uh, liaise with Hunter and Devon Archer and would um, tell them, I mean, just a, a short time uh, before this this urgent phone call, um, basically the month before, the DIM Pazarsky had written an email to Hunter and Devon Archer and demanding some deliverables uh, because they were concerned that Victor Shokin was investigating uh, Burisma very aggressively at the time. And so uh, he wanted, you know, meetings, um, high level Americans to come to Ukraine and to sing the praises of Burisma and Zlachevsky. And of course, just three days after this Dubai phone call, uh, Vice President Joe Biden was due to fly into Kiev um, and he did uh, a couple of days later. He gave a speech talking about corruption, the poison of corruption. And, uh, and, and, um, and then just a, a few weeks before the call, we had the U.S. Ambassador Jeffrey Pyatt had given a speech about corruption in Odessa and he targeted Zlachevsky by name. So I guess Zlachevsky and Vadim were concerned that the Americans' posture was to um, call Zlachevsky and Burisma corrupt. And what were they doing paying a million dollars a year to the vice president's son if they weren't getting anything from it? And within, uh, so we're talking about that Dubai meeting being December 9, 2015. Well, less than two months later, February 2, 2016, Victor Shokin was still investigating Burisma and he seized all of Zlachevsky's property um, from, uh, you know, in Dubai, Rolls Royce, four houses, two plots of land. Um, and so uh, this was what they were concerned about. And presumably this was why it was so urgent that they come and seek out Hunter and um, Devon Archer that evening in Dubai and get a phone call with the father. Now, what we, what, what no one knew at the time, but what we know now is that um, when Joe Biden flew to Kiev a few days after that phone call, that was when behind the scenes he started strong-arming President Poroshenko to fire Viktor Shokin, the prosecutor, 
um, Pro Prosecutor General who was investigating Burisma. And uh, it was successful. Uh, basically, in March of 2016, um, Victor Shokin was fired. And uh, his successor just went easy on Burisma. Um, Burisma ended up, uh, and Zlochewski ended up, I think, getting a slap on the wrist, a sort of a, a sweetheart deal like Hunter just got in Delaware and paid a few hundred thousand dollars in fines. Wow, just amazing. When you look at that moment, a lot of the testimony during impeachment was that uh, Joe Biden was carrying out the wishes of the larger U.S. government. I think in the next few days, people are going to begin to see the wishes of the U.S. government was a little different than what Joe Biden actually did. We're going to bring you up to speed on that, folks, in the next couple of days with some new documents we have. Miranda, when you look now, the effort to get Evan Archer before Congress seems to be the top priority of James Comer. And also to get the documents that Devin Archer has had in storage that the storage company hasn't been given him, hasn't given him back yet. How important is Devin Archer and how important could Devin Archer's contemporaneous documents be to this investigation? Look, I think very important. Um, I, I don't think it would be wise for anybody to put all their eggs into the Devin Archer basket, but he is facing jail and he was intimately involved in Hunter's um, life and, and business uh, for many years until he got um, indicted himself by the Southern District of New York over this uh, Burnham uh, tribal bond scheme. Um, and it's interesting that Hunter Biden was also, um, I think, a vice president of that company, Burnham, and um, earned, I think, about $150,000 from them, whereas Devin Archer earned nothing and lost several million dollars. Um, but, uh, you know, Hunter wasn't involved, the Southern District found in that scheme. And so um, he was never investigated. Um, but Devon Archer is now looking at jail. And um, I think what's important, as you mentioned, is those, um, the discovery, all his documents that the FBI seized from him, and that have been held um, in a storage facility, he had to pay a lot of money to get those documents out. But Alex Partners, the company, refuses to release the documents, even though they're his property and he's paid fully for them. Um, and so uh, they're now having to be subpoenaed um, by James Comer. And as you know better than anyone, um, there are documents in there that will um, demonstrate that the firing of Victor Shokin was a political act to help Burisma and that it was not, in fact, um, the as, as, as you're going to show, not, in fact, the policy of the U.S. government to fire him and that he was not that he was not corrupt. He was not responsible for the corruption from his predecessor that let Slochevsky off the hook with the MI5 investigation uh, in London, where they had $23 million of Slochevsky's assets frozen. Um, that there was a bribe paid to the Ukrainian Prosecutor General's office um, of several million dollars. Um, and, uh, and, and so Zlochevsky was off the hook. But after that, there was such um, furor from uh, the U.S. Embassy that um, that Prosecutor General and his office was um, disbanded and Victor Shokin was brought in out of retirement as a, a former experienced um, prosecutor um, to sort of clean up and do the, what the Americans were saying they wanted, which is to stamp out corruption. And Burisma being one of the most corrupt companies in the country, um, 
that obviously was going to be a target of any prosecutor genuinely pursuing corruption. And yet Joe Biden comes in and throws a spanner in the works, uh, completely antithetical to what the American message to Ukraine was at the time. It is absolutely remarkable to see how much the Biden family's story has been forced to change by facts. And a lot of those facts would have never made it into the public realm, Miranda, if it wasn't for your tenacious, relentless, accurate and probing reporting. Today's story, just the latest in a long line of great examples and just bravo for the great reporting. And I know you got a lot more up your sleeve, so I can't wait to see what comes next. (laughs) You too, John. Well, it's a great honor to have you in the show. Thanks for a very important update. And uh, we'll be sure to get you back on real soon. Folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back after these messages. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. So grateful you can join today. So grateful to be part of a very important uh, dynamic where we're beginning to expose the facts and what really went on in the Biden family overseas business corruption scandal. Now, well, also, when we do these things, we also have to remind ourselves None of this is possible without incredible sponsors, our incredible partners, our incredible advertisers. If you want to take advantage of Link2, one of the great new cutting edge investment opportunities in America, one of the great private market opportunities, go to Link2.com. That is L-I-N-Q-T-O, L-I-N-Q-T-O.com to get started today. All right, folks, that wraps up another edition of John Solomon Reports. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for engaging and reading just the news. We'll be back tomorrow with another edition. Until then, God bless you. And God bless this extraordinary country of the United States as he always has. Good night, folks. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.